My name's Mike Chanchuk, and you'll see a pro lacrosse talk. On Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Fidel scores! Paul Rabel splits two and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We are stoked to have you guys for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm good, brother. You know, my bird finally got back into the wing column. I'm feeling good, and we have a lot to talk about, so I'm ready to get going. Yeah, my Ravens were on the bye. They're doing well. Yeah, um, I also like the PLL just put out a nice little uh, NFL PLL comparisons, which I thought was interesting, so you guys should go check out that article. But we have a lot of PLL news to discuss, such as the recently announced PLL expansion team that will be joining uh, the league in 2020, as well as who we think the original six teams should protect from the expansion draft. Um, but before we get into that, let's get into our quick stick and recap some news from the past week. In the NLL, the Georgia Swarm have released Jerome Thompson from the active roster. Um, that's pretty interesting considering that some of the fellow Thompsons in Lyle and Miles are still on the roster. Uh, the New York Riptide have signed Alex Buquet to a two-year agreement who is expected to be their starter for the new expansion franchise. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings have signed Chris Collins to a one-year agreement. He's a longtime goalie for the Wings franchise that eventually moved to New England, so he rejoins the Philadelphia-based team once again. Um, that'll be fun to see. I know he's a big Philadelphia guy, and I'm sure, Adam, you're kind of excited for that. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Chris back on the roster. We'll see if he can make um, the game day roster this year, but good follow on Twitter and, and good person in the lacrosse community, so I'm excited for him to get back with the squad. Yeah, and then uh, to wrap up, uh, the San Diego Seals have signed Romar Dennis to a one-year agreement. And Rachel Valarelli, former goaltender for UMass and the Baltimore Ride of the now-defunct United Women's Lacrosse League, uh, recently received an invite to the New York Riptide training camp, which is just awesome to see, you know, a female uh, participating in a male sport. Um, she has plenty of men's box lacrosse experience, so this isn't a publicity stunt, and it's, you know, not really a long shot for her to possibly make the practice squad or even the active roster, you know, so we're wishing her the best, and we're looking forward to uh, watching how she does. Um, but that's just good to see, you know, for the sport, and I know she's been working really hard developing her skills as a box lacrosse goalie, so for her to get a shot at a professional uh, tryout is awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see that. Um, and kind of going back to what you were talking about with the San Diego Seals, Romar Dennis, another guy from the PLL, um, making his way to uh, an NL roster, which is super exciting. We saw Miles Jones being added to uh, a roster this year in the NLL. So I'm curious to see if this is going to be uh, a trend going forward to see more uh, of the outdoor guys head into the box league. Yeah, no, and there's a lot that we haven't even mentioned. Yep. we got Jared Newman, who actually is going to come on our podcast uh, next week. He's going to be joining the New England Black Wolves, so we'll see if he makes their practice squad or even their roster. Um, you know, he, Obviously, he doesn't have much box experience, but he's a raw athlete. And I think a lot of these NLL teams are seeing the advantage of having um, some extra athleticism, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, it will definitely be cool to see how these guys do and make the transition. Um, but let's go into the MLL in our quick stick. The MLL has announced that Lyle Thompson will return with the Bayhawks in 2020, uh, as announced by the league. Uh, we haven't heard a word from him, but uh, a 2017 Bayhawks tweet said that he was signed through 2021, so it looks like he could remain the face of the MLL for the foreseeable future. Obviously a huge game for the MLL to keep him, so they're you know trying to keep their big stars, and he's one of them that's definitely going to stay for next year, you know, barring any 
Dylan Malloy situation of the PLL. So, you know, you never know. Things could change, but that's what it looks like for right now. Um, and then in some other news in the MLL, the Rathers have reportedly been sold for weeks now, but we have yet to hear from the MLL who that owner is. So continue to listen for any information from us on that. Um, take it with a grain of salt, you know, in terms of where that Dallas franchise rests right now. They're still owned by the league in my mind um, until we hear who has been announced as owner, but we have received reports that an owner has purchased that team. So that's obviously a good sign if that's true, but again, haven't really heard any information since then. Um, so again, take it with a grain of salt for right now. And then the PLL, biggest news, we already mentioned it, Paul Rabel has announced a seventh team will be joining the PLL in 2020, which leads to our main topic of conversation. Um, and let's just get into it, Adam. How do you feel about the PLL expanding after this month of speculation that they would be adding another team? Yeah, I'm so excited. You know, this was something uh, that we chatted about in previous podcasts that we thought um, w- was in the work. The PLL and, and Paul Rabel are uh, analytical when they drop information. And, you know, when, when Paul kind of hinted at expansion during uh, the finale of the PLL season in Philly, um, I kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to do it. You know, whether it was seven teams, eight teams, or however many, um, I, I felt that this was coming, and I'm excited to see what it looks like with a seventh team, you know. Um, it makes sense um, when it comes to creating a natural bye week for various teams. Uh, they'll still have the opportunity to do three games a week, which is super exciting for, for the fans, and um, they don't have to really strain change the structure uh, of how they go on a week-to-week basis so um, makes complete sense there were so many players taken out of the player pool uh, Ryder Garnsey a bunch of other players that we've chatted about before that are capable of playing in the league Um, and I'm curious to see if we see how many players we see changing leagues and what where those players will come in so there's a couple options for the the three different drafts um, we'll discuss as well going forward but um, I'm very excited to see uh, what this team looks like what the team name is and logo yeah no it's an interesting way how they announced it they announced it on the Barstool podcast uh, pardon my take yep um, early in the morning which was cool so yeah I'm excited for expansion you know I I think I was hesitant to see if maybe it's a little too soon, but I think just adding one team is smart. Keep the cost down. Um, again, make it easy You know, with the natural bye weeks. Um, I think that was the easiest way to go. And again, it generates a lot of buzz for the PLL this offseason. Then they started talking the names on Friday, and that's where it kind of got crazy. I mean, if you're familiar with part of my take, uh, they don't take things very seriously on there anyway. So, you know, everyone's kind of worried about the names they were coming up with, but I think you should take those with a grain of salt. But the PLL did put out some of the names they suggested, and there's some goofy ones, there's some clever ones, there's some cool ones. Uh, They're kind of all over the place, but they put out wave dogs, or the water dogs as they called them, turf dogs, bolts, mud puppies, fire salamanders, phenom, which Big Cat said uh, he doesn't want anything to do with it if they're named phenom. (laughs) Um, Grit and stones were all the ones that the PLL put out that they were considering, but then again, they're asking for submissions, so I think it was a good little publicity stunt to kind of get people talking about the names rather than just announcing a name, um, and I thought it, it worked to their advantage, and they're still trying to come up with one, um, but wh- which ones do you think uh, are best from either that list, or do you have any of your own that you think that they should consider? Yeah, I, uh, I know when we were texting off pod, uh, I mentioned the water dogs, and you weren't a big fan of that one. But I, uh, I'm not. Uh, but from a, a Philly standpoint, I think it'd be cool if that roster was all Philly guys, and they were called the Water Dogs. Water. How, how would you spell that, Adam? 
W O O D E R. But it it could be spelled the the correct way, but uh, it can be enunciated water dogs, which uh, I'd be a big fan of. Uh, I've I've loved some of the content that fans have uh, put in for uh, mud puppies and fire salamanders. I don't uh, think those uh, would uh, be the best choices at the moment, but um, I'm I'm excited to see what what goes forward. I I don't know if any of these are actually the names. I know you're you're a fan of the bolts, right? Yeah, the bolts bolts are one that. I kind of thought of Surge originally, and the Bolts, I think, would fit that kind of perfectly. Um, you mentioned the Mud Puppies and Fire Salamanders. Not a fan of those at all, but some of those logos that some of the fans have been coming up with are pretty clever. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I don't hope that they choose those names, but if the logos are cool as some of these fans have been putting out, I, I could get behind them. Um, yeah, but I really like Bolts. Um, Phenom I'd be fine with. The rest of them, not a huge fan. I, they said Wave Dogs. I think if you just drop the dogs and make it Wave, I think it'd be kind of cool. Again, I, I'd chosen Breakers as one that I had pitched out before they even had been discussing it, and um, Wave would kind of fit into that, you know, water theme and stuff. I, I don't know. I think the elements is kind of cool when you go with that, especially the way these names are kind of right now with, like, Chrome and Chaos um, but the big one that I really, really hope they at least consider, and I know I'm not the only one because there's been a lot of people on Twitter I've been talking about too, is uh, Marauders. I love that name. Um, make them black and old gold, have like a pirate skull. You could kind of do a Buccaneers logo instead of like the sword, have a lacrosse stick flag or something. I don't know. I, I think that would be a really cool idea, and it's kind of fit in with the touring model where they go from city to city and kind of, you know, uh, wreak havoc on the rest of the league. Yeah, no, I uh, I'd be a big fan of that one. I was a, uh, I was black and gold in the Bucks in high school, so I I don't have a team that I lean for. So maybe that would that would be my squad if uh, if that happened. But um, I wave and breakers. I I thought that was an awesome idea when you came out with it, and um, I'm curious if they go uh, that way just because of the Riptides as the new team uh, in Long True. Island. Um, that that'll be would be fairly similar to that. Um, and I'm always curious when it comes to copyright and those types of things, when it comes to like the bolts, right? Um, that, that logo, I mean, you could switch that up in a million different ways. The chargers. Um, the chargers, the Tampa Bay lightning. I'm always curious how when kind of going into that communications law side of things, what, what that kind of would look like when, when they're picking squads. But, um, I was kind of messing around with things and, uh, I thought something maybe cool would be the Republic LC. Um, and it kind of have like a Greek or Roman theme, um, and you know, like the, the gladiators kind of style. And I thought that would be something cool. I might drop that on Twitter at some point soon. Yeah, I actually like Republic a lot. Um, and I like the Greek Roman theme. Uh, I heard somebody throw out Legion LC, which I think would be really cool. If you get like a maroon and old gold, uh, kind of color scheme going on, I mean, kind of fits in with that gladiator theme you talk about. Um, so that's another one that I, when I heard it, I'm like, that would be perfect. That sounds like a, a perfect fit for the PLL. Um, I think they're kind of going for more of these uh, interesting names, like you said, probably because of copyright. They want something unique. Um, you want something that they can brand and trademark pretty easily. Um, some others I heard out there, Jack Goods mentioned Hive, which I thought's cool. At um, M Band on Twitter had a nice Spectres mock-up, which was like just an all-white uh, kind of faded to gray type color uniform. I, I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah. I still like Altitude. Um, a lot yeah. of people have been throwing around tribe with the Native American influences, which I think is cool. So a lot of great names out there. Um, you know, continue to tweet at us with any names that you guys think. We've been putting out our own suggestions, but we love hearing yours as well. And uh, like you said, I think the big thing with what the PLO is doing is gathering these 
names and the, the fan feedback is important because right now you have uh, six teams that have pretty solid fan bases. You know, people have chosen their allegiances. And in order to get fans on board with that expansion franchise, you need something to appeal to them. And what better way than if you announce four finalists and then whichever one's chosen automatically the people that voted for that team are going to have a personal connection because they were part of choosing that name. So I think that's you know a key here in building this fan base for this expansion franchise. So yeah, I'm obviously excited. Um, but that's, those are our thoughts on the names for the expansion team. Um, another key piece to the team, though, is who's going to be hired as coach, which leads to our next discussion, who should fill those three coaching vacancies. Uh, but we'll discuss that soon. Uh, let's first hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get back into the action. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Um, as we mentioned, there are now three coaching vacancies uh, due to Dom Starja stepping down as Chrome head coach, uh, John Paul also stepping down as Atlas head coach, and now in a new expansion franchise. As we know, Dom Starja is joining the advisory board um, that he was actually uh, supposed to join initially, and he decided he wanted to coach for a year, and uh, the league let him do that, which was nice. He joins an advisory board uh, led by Josh Sims, the head of lacrosse at the PLL, uh, some other members on that board, Seth Tierney, and a lot of other big lacrosse minds. It was this advisory board that really put the league together and really maintains the competition uh, between and kind of you know prevents any tampering uh, in the league. So when people say, you know, Paul Rabel can kind of do what he wants, he's put in place these checks and balances to kind of make sure the league is as competitive as it should be for any other professional league. So that's just an important thing to note. And then, you know, John Paul stepping down, he cited that he wanted to spend more time with his family during the summer, which I think, you know, is an honorable thing to do. Um, so, you know, good on him for recognizing that it's just not the best time for him. Um, and hopefully the Atlas can find somebody to kind of fill that void. Um, I think the Atlas kind of struggled that with that a little bit, though, too. I think they need somebody maybe with a, a stronger voice to kind of get a lot of those personalities in check. Um, it's a team with a lot of stars, and they were really favored to go far um, at the beginning of the season. I think... You had a little bit of too many cooks in the kitchen, but let's discuss who we think is the best fit for each of these teams. So, Adam, um, what do you think about these three coaching vacancies, though, and how do you think the PLL should go about it? Yeah, you know, it, it's super interesting to think about their process, right? Um, these aren't separate entities in terms of uh, owned franchises. So I'm just curious um, if they have a group of coaches that they have in mind, uh, and are those coaches going to have the opportunities to pick which roster um, they'd like to coach? Um, does a coach like you saw Andy Shea at um, the Nets game with Paul Rabel, we don't know if that was, you know, Paul hinted jokingly that he was trying to uh, get Coach Shea on uh, on board with joining them uh, this coming summer. But um, are those coaches going to have the opportunity to, to pick which roster uh, they end up coaching? Or is it, you know what, you're becoming a coach for the PLL, um, and they decide which roster um, would be a best fit for you. So I'm just super curious. We don't know kind of um, 
the breakdown of how the process is going to go, and that's something I'm curious to look into a little bit more. Yeah, we don't know if they're hiring these coaches for a specific job. You know, they're are they going to a, a Bear Davis and saying, "Hey, you're gonna, uh, you're, you you can apply." Are they going to a Bear Davis and say, "Hey, we'd like you to coach this expansion franchise," or are they trying to get them to join the league initially and then deciding that? But um, yeah, no, it's interesting. We don't really know that process, but we can at least speculate on who we think be a best fit for them. And it could be dependent on the coach. You know what I mean? Are they trying to? pursue an Andy Shea or someone like that or someone that's currently not coaching that we'll discuss now um are they looking for a job and this would be the perfect stance and they don't care who that squad looks like you know I really do think they're going to hire three people prior to the February draft uh, expansion draft so I I think you know I think we should start hearing more information on who they're looking at uh, relatively soon in this fall season so um I don't know that's why I've been thinking about you know, I, I know I put out my article on who should join the PLL as a coach, and I kind of gave my ideas. And after thinking about it a little bit more, I I think a guy like Bear Davis has to be the head coach of this expansion franchise. He's done it before. He's built teams from the ground up, um, whether it was college or going in and really you know transforming that Ohio Machine team. Um, and I'd like to see him you know get a shot at that expansion franchise, get a shot to build a roster from this expansion draft um, and this player pool. And, you know, I think maybe Brian Reese is his right-hand man, um, or it could be vice versa. You know, Brian Reese has been a head coach as well, uh, but he has that GM experience as well. So I think those two together could really make a good team. We know they're friends um, off the field. So I I think that would be a match made in heaven um, for them to come in and and get this expansion franchise off the ground. Sure. And then as for the other two coaching vacancies, as I kind of alluded to with Coach John Paul, I I think the Atlas kind of lacked – that strong voice in the huddle that really could keep everybody in check and kind of manage these big personalities. Um, and, I, you know, really the guys that I, I put in my list uh, a few weeks ago, I just I don't see any of them but Tony Resch really standing out and taking that Atlas team. There's too much talent on that defensive side of the ball uh, for Coach Resch to go there and not do well. Um, I think he would go there and really get them up to where they should be talent-wise. Um, and performance-wise, so I, I look to see him maybe taking on that Atlas franchise, which kind of leaves us at the Chrome. I mean, who do you think is best fit to take over this Chrome team, which you know many could argue uh, struggled the most last year, but they also showed the most promise down the stretch, um, too, with these close games. So I don't know. Who do you think is probably the best fit for this Chrome team? As I kind of mentioned earlier, I don't think it necessarily was. Uh, just the joke when, when he talked about the opportunity of Andy Shea uh, joining the league next year. And, you know, looking at a, a person that took a program that wasn't a very strong program when he got there and, and turned them into uh, perennial Ivy League contenders and then perennial national championship contenders, I, I don't see why a squad, uh, why a coach uh, like Andy Shea wouldn't be a perfect fit for a Chrome team who has the pieces, as we'll talk about um, when we talk about who we'd like to protect in a couple minutes, they have the pieces, and I think Andy Shea would be a good option when it comes to putting those pieces together to create a strong outcome. Yeah, I, I think he would be a great fit. I'm just hesitant, you know, with him being a D1 coach and having recruiting over the summer. Sure. Um, like I said, I, I like the pick. I just, I don't know, I just don't know how realistic it is. And he, you're right, he was meeting with Paul, so it's the most evidence we have of a coach um, coming to the league, yeah. honestly, I, you know, all these other guys we've mentioned, they're just speculation at this point, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I would not mind seeing Shea, um, but I do think maybe you need somebody more dedicated, um, has more time. Not that Coach Shea wouldn't be dedicated, but that's why I like a Rick Soule maybe taking over the Chrome. Um, you know, I, I think he's obviously looking for a job right now, and this would be a good stopgap job for him if he does want to get back into college coaching. Because right now we do, you know, college programs, that is more where the, the coaching gigs are, but you just never know. I just want to push back just a little bit of that. I completely understand where you're coming from. It is The league is in infancy still. Um, but if the players are looking at this as an opportunity to become full-time pros, I don't see why it couldn't be the same with the coaching staffs too. I can't argue with that. We wanted to, the league to go as professional as possible, and we need to view these gigs as desirable as a college coaching gig. So, you know, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a, a great point that you make there. Um, and, you know, these new coaches, whoever they are, will have their work cut out for them because not only will they have to be focused on building a contender, but for the original six, deciding who to protect, um, and for this expansion franchise, who do you build your team around? So that kind of brings us to the ripple effect this expansion team will cause. You know, Paul announced that there will be three drafts this spring, an expansion draft in February, an entry-level draft and player pool draft soon after, and then those joining the league um, from college will be drafted in April on NBC Sports. Um, so he announced that teams can only protect 10 players, which is not a lot to protect on a 24-man roster. Um, so we both had our kind of ideas. We decided to take three teams each. Um, I took the Whip Snakes, the Chrome, and the Archers. You took the Redwoods, Atlas, and the Chaos. So why don't we start with the Redwoods, which I think is probably the toughest team to kind of keep together. Uh, who are the 10 players that you think the Redwoods should protect from this expansion draft? You know, th this was the roster, like you said, I had the toughest time with. You know, when, when it came down to it, I think there were, obviously these rosters are stacked, and there were 14 or 15 guys that, that I kind of had uh, in in my initial list before I, I got it down to a, a 10 begrudgingly. But kind of on the defensive side of the ball, um, that was the bread and butter, right? They made it to the championship by, by shutting down a, a guy like Connor Fields on the chaos, um, and they had a fantastic um, defense that, that got them to that championship game. So that's kind of where I started. I know they have some prolific scoring as well, but um, guys like Matt Landis, Larkin Kemp, Eddie Glazner, um, Garrett Apple were, were four guys that I looked at um, right away to say um, I'm going to keep. And I know it's an offensive league, but defense um, was the main reason, one of the main reasons they got to the championship. So those were four guys on my list. Um, Jules Henningberg, obviously. Um, Brent Adams was one that I, I put on there. I thought he was an intriguing player um, uh, throughout the year that, that really made strides going down uh, to the end of the season. So I added him, Westberg. Um, another big one um, that most fans wouldn't be surprised was the guy I ch chatted about earlier that they got out of the player pool, ironically, and, and that's Ryder Garnsey. Uh, he's one of the budding stars uh, of this league. And then it came down to, to four other players, and, and that was the two Sergios, Perkovic and Salcedo, Matt Cavanaugh, and then uh, Rookie of the Year, Tim Trautner. And looking at it, I, I think you have to bring Timmy back. Um, stud in cage, rookie, really strong performance this year. Um, kept them in some games that they might have, uh, maybe not have, should have won early on in the season. Um, so that brought me down to two spots. And I, I got to keep Perk. I know uh, he he was a fantastic player at the end of the season for them um, and really came alive. And I think he, he has a lot to prove going into next year. And I think I'm going to have to keep two Sergios, to be honest with you. Uh, I think... Okay. Salcedo is a very unique player that 
can bring a lot to the table. Obviously, Matt Cavanaugh's a stud, right? Sergio Salcido is, is sneaky good, and I don't think he was talked about enough this year in, in a lot of circumstances. So that's my 10. I know that could change if, you, if we had potted tomorrow, to be honest with you, but yeah. I think that's who I'm going to go with. Interesting. I, you know, I, I like that list. Um, there's a few guys I would change out. Like, I, I think Larkin Kemp might be the odd man out for that defense. Um, again, I, I'm Salcedo's tough for me. I, I definitely want to keep him too, but I, I would go Kavanaugh because you mentioned Kavanaugh is a guy that's probably going to be favored by these teams. And so I look at it as you, you got to pick the guys that you're not, you, you don't want to lose at all. Um, and then, you know, two big guys we didn't mention, you know, might be on the outside looking in in terms of having to go through this expansion draft are Kyle Harrison and Greg Renlian. Um, I would add Grenlian to my list probably. So instead of Larkin Kemp and Salcedo, I'd probably go Kavanaugh and uh, Grenlian. But, you know, it's tough. It's tough. It's going to be tough for the Redwoods. I think we said it's going to be the hardest for them. Um, and, you know, maybe Kyle Harrison gets picked up by this expansion franchise. They kind of build around him. He's that veteran presence. But um, I don't know. It depends on whether you want to go locker room guys or talent-wise, right? Yeah, and, and those two guys, I it was tough leaving them off the list. Right. And I, but as, as a coach and, and or GM of, of these teams, I'm, I'm looking at the long term. obviously, you know, I, I think beast, one of the best of all time, right. He, he is face off. Uh, he is the face of the face off at this point in, in lacrosse when it comes to history, but he was injured so much last year. I think these guys on that, that I mentioned, um, are just going to be around longer. Uh, and I know that's, that's, that's a tough way to look at it. And, and same with Kyle Harrison, one of the best to ever put on pads. But I think for, if you're looking at longevity and to be honest with your production this year, yeah. I, I don't think they produced the, in the, to the same capacity uh, of some of the guys that I mentioned, because we don't know the dynamic of, of teams. Right. And I, we, we do to an extent, but there could be some guys that, they coaches have been grooming in in practice, uh-huh. and yeah. you you see that every year in whether it's the NBA in the G League, whether it's practice squads in the NFL. You see players that you weren't you necessarily thinking of come yeah. come in the next year after being in a program for a year and, and become studs themselves. So uh, I'm curious to and and that may not be the case for the Redwoods. I know, but um, I'm curious to see. There, there are going to be some surprises, you know, whether it's the Redwoods or other squads, and, and we'll keep going. Uh, I, I won't keep talking about the Woods, but there, we're going to see surprises when it comes to a few of the players, and that's why the, the fodder and the debate is so fun, and that's why this league has been doing so well so far. No, yeah, and, I mean, the other thing is, even if these players do go unprotected, not guaranteed they're going to be drafted, not guaranteed that they won't join their teams even if they are drafted. We've seen, uh, we just saw in the NL expansion draft, a lot of players were drafted by the Riptide and the Nighthawks, and then they were used as trade bait. Yep. And so what they were doing is they were trading them back to their original teams and getting some draft picks out of it and stuff. So I think we might see that because there's some other guys we didn't even mention, like Joe Sexton and John, uh, like John Sexton and Joe Walters, are two studs that I could also see uh, Coach Nat Saint Laurent easily wanting to protect. Um, yep. And you know maybe he he lets some other guys test the market. It's tough. Um, I think, like we said, the Redwoods is the toughest one, and that kind of brings us to our next tough one, which is the Whip Snakes. So I had the pleasure of coming up with this list, which was also tough, you know, trying to decide which defending champs you keep. Um, but I went with Kyle Burnlore, you know, best goalie in the league last year. You got to you got to keep him. Yep. yep. 
uh, Matt Rambo, obviously MVP, uh, Michael Earhart, Mike Chanichuk, Bryce Young, Joe Nardella, Matt Dunn, and then Ryan Drenner. So that's eight right now, and that's when it starts to get a little tricky. Um, I think you got to keep Jake Bernhardt. He's a, one of the best two-way minis in the league. And then, you know, that leaves one spot left for me, and I was going back and forth between Connor Kelly and Ben Reeves, and I'll be honest, I, I couldn't decide because I think Ben Reeves is a better player, but Connor Kelly really came into his own later in the year. He has more chemistry, obviously, with some of those Maryland guys. I don't know. If you can find a way to decide between one of them, then maybe you, you keep both of them and you let a guy like a Bryce Young text the market, but you don't, you don't want to lose that defensive court either. So I don't know. It's tricky. And there's guys, again, like I didn't even mention, like Drew Snyder, John Haas, who came up big during the year for them. Tim Muller is another guy who I think is very underrated, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, same with, you know, there's guys like Jay Carlson and Brett Schmidt who also made an impact. But I think, you know, those guys are guys that you just have to let test that expansion draft. So, um, again, another tough one for me. Um, that Connor Kelly-Ben Reeves debate for me is probably the one that we're going to be talking about a lot. I don't know. How, what did you think of my list? Um, even though I kind of cheated with that last one. We talked about the opportunity for the expansion teams to trade, for to get kit picks or other players that they were interested in when, when uh, drafting a player that was unprotected. But we haven't thought about it by, vice versa, right? What if a coach uh, of the new expansion franchise really wants Ben Reeves and we know that, and, and the whip stakes know that and are thinking about uh, picking someone out, keeping someone else there? Could they kind of go the reverse and protect a player they know a team would be interested in in getting and use that to then trade for picks? So Ben Reeves, I know we talked about Matt Cavanaugh, but he's another guy you can build a team around. And I'm curious to see uh, if, if he is protected. Strong list. Uh, there, there's not many things I can say when it comes to things I would do differently. But, you know, Bryce Young, I think you have to keep Bryce Young in this situation. He, he was a, a stud for them on the defensive side of the ball. And your list is fairly uh, offensive-minded when it comes to it so far. So you have to keep uh, at least a couple pieces of that defense intact um, to, to go for that back-to-back uh, yeah. championship. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned building a team around Ben Reeves. You know, if they do unprotect him and he gets drafted, is he'd be a perfect guy for Andy Shea to build his expansion team around. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking in my mind, to be honest with you. So, yeah, no, his former Torton NCAA champion winning attackman, uh, I think that would be a match made in heaven. Who knows if we'll see it, but um, let's keep moving. Um, I'm going to go with my archers now and discuss that team because you kind of hit on something uh, where you said you could see teams protecting players that they know they want to trade. And that's kind of how I feel about the Archers because you have a two-goalie system in Drew Adams and Adam Gittleman. Both of those guys could be starters in the league. So logic might be, well, you keep one of them and then you let the other one go in the expansion draft. And I would say if you're a coach, you're keeping both of them because then you have that trade bait where if you do decide to stick with one guy, whether it's Adams or Gittleman, and I think both are phenomenal goalies that you could go with, there you go. You, you trade them to that expansion franchise if they're not content with the goalie they drafted. And you have your franchise goalie because either of those guys, I think, could perform. And maybe you hold on to them beginning of the season and then midway through the season you trade them. Who knows? But that, those are the guys I started my archers list off with is keeping those two goalies. Um, so that's two off the bat for me. Then, obviously, Will Manny, Marcus Holman are two guys that you got to keep. Tom Schreiber. 
there you're at you're at five um and then i really was again i kind of went with your redwoods theory and keeping that defensive core so i had matt mcmahon uh, mike simon and jackson place on this list and then you kind of keep your your D, main d guys uh, on that roster that was uh you know a defense that was so dominant last year under coach resh um so right away i'm already at eight guys here uh which leaves me with my final two and scott ratliff obviously runner-up for LSM of the year, and Dominic Alexander, who is a defensive midi that really just can't be replaced. Um, he won, you know, defensive midi, short stick defensive midi of the year. So th that's my 10 for the Archers. But I left off a lot of offensive guys, um, you know, and like Ryan Ambler, Chris Cuccinello. Um, I mean, did I miss there any other guys like Danny Ipe? Are there any other ones you thought that maybe I should have had on this list? One one thing I want to bring up, we, we talked about the, the Ben Reeves-Andy Shea connection. We, you mentioned Ryan Ambler, and he played for uh, Coach Bates while he was at Princeton, and he, he was quietly a glue guy for that offense this year. You know, he... <laughs> It, we saw it in our uh, PLT fantasy. He came up big uh, at the latter parts of the season on a couple in a couple of those games, and he he may not be as flashy as some of those big name guys we had mentioned, but he is a fantastic player uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and I I wholeheartedly could see him uh, being one of the ten selected. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and he was tough. He was on my bubble yeah. for sure, and another guy who was on my bubble that I didn't mention because I think. It kind of is going to be where they're going to go is Stephen Kelly. Yep. You know, I think it's going to say a lot if they decide to protect Stephen Kelly or not. Because I'm, I guarantee, if Stephen Kelly enters this expansion draft, the expansion team's going to pick him up. I really feel like, you know, why not? He's obviously kind of struggled at the beginning of the season, but he came on strong late in the season. He's a good face-off guy, and if they do leave him unprotected, that kind of shows me that they're going all in on TD Ireland yep. in the draft with their number one pick. Whereas if they protect him, then maybe do they use Stephen Kelly as trade bait? It's interesting. There's a lot of strategy that goes into it. It's almost like you're not just picking the top 10 players on your team. You're picking those guys you really want to keep, those guys that you think uh, you'll get back if they do test the market anyway, and you know those guys you want to keep maybe because you're looking to trade them. So there's a lot of strategy involved in this. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know. Let's... Let's kind of move on again to the Chaos, which is another team that has a lot of talent. You took that team. Uh, who are you protecting on this squad for Andy Towers? Started with the offensive side of the ball for the Chaos. Uh, Deemer Class, Connor Fields, Jake Fricaro, Miles Jones uh, were the first couple names that came to mind um, when I, I was looking at the Chaos roster. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. Um, the two-point legend himself, Jar Jared Newman, uh, Matt Reese, Troy Ray, and then I was keeping Blaze Reardon as well. This was probably one of the more even squads when I looked at it that I, I was keeping um, from the defensive and offensive side of the ball. And and that came down to a couple uh, guys that I decided to go with in Tommy Kelly at the faceoff X and Josh Byrne. You know, uh, I had a tough time leaving Miles Thompson uh, off the list, um, but I went with those two to, to finish out my 10. Yeah, no, that's, oh, that's tough because I would put Miles on this list, but... You know, he was a little bit injury prone, um, and I, I don't know who I would take off. I, I mean, maybe I might take off maybe a Troy Ray, but that, he, he also was pivotal for them at the transition game and exactly. at LSM. So, whew, it's tough. It's not easy. I, I don't envy these coaches, and that's why I kind of wish maybe the, the league would have given them 12 to 13 spots to kind of keep guys because, 
You know, I don't think we wouldn't have much teams. to talk about, you know, that, that, True, that, that we 10 kept we us some, for, for some but good I, conversation. I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see these teams kind of torn apart after just one season. But then again, like I said, you know, it's no, not, no guarantee that they won't return with their former squads. It's just that they're up for possible drafting. Yeah. So. And, you know, and, and I looked at this roster and, and we talked a lot in the season about they are that they are they are their name right they played chaotically and they played fast paced and uh, i looked at that and that's why i i put a guy like Troy Ray on this 10 and uh i think Miles Thompson was certainly a, a part of that uh awesome offense but because he was hurt i i think that's something that you have to take into account to see going forward and i mean we don't know on the inside if that was a long term injury or or something kind of short term but i think it was important to when I looked at the rosters to to keep their style intact, and I'm curious when when these coaches are are looking at these rosters about how their style is going to change because there are three squads that have open coaching vacancies, as we said, and how, how different are their styles going to look? Are they going to look stylistically because of those coaching changes? I that that's something I took into account when building this chaos ten. And yeah, you mentioned the coaching vacancies. Let's discuss these two teams that do have openings at the coaching position. Why don't you talk me to this Atlas team, and who do you think the eventual coach of the Atlas should protect? You know, with the Atlas, I had to start at the face-off facts and and keep fast boy Trevor Baptiste. I mean, he's one of the the biggest stars in the league and one of the best players, and you got to keep him. I kept all-star MVP Jack Kincannon, uh, and then Tucker Durkin and Kyle Hartzell uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I ended up going with Ryan Brown, Connor Busick, uh, Joel Tinney, Eric Law, Kiernan McArdle, and then I, I kept Paul Rabel. You know, he, he's the face of the league. I don't, th- I don't foresee him changing uh, squads after one year. He is, he's Atlas through and through, um, and I expect him uh, to be on that roster next year going forward. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I would be shocked if Paul's not protected, but I don't think it's a no-brainer like some of these other guys. So, you know, I think it's still up for debate. I don't think you look at him as being a founder of the league and automatically make him on the protected list. I think he'll end up on the protected list, and I'd be shocked if he wasn't. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with those sentiments. You know, he had a good year, but it was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary, really. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough again. You got guys like that you left off, like Austin Pafani on the bubble. I know you said Chris Cloutier was another guy that you really wanted to put on the list, but, um, you know, he's another guy that we talk uh, could maybe need a change of scenery. He, you know, he had a kind of a up and down year, um, yeah. and then you got the Richard brothers, who I think did a lot in between the lines that aren't really talked about. Uh, and those guys, you know, could do you know wonders for another team. Um, and I could easily see them being drafted in this expansion draft. Um, and then I think a guy that you know I don't see them protecting at all, but is probably the biggest name going to hit the expansion draft is Scott Rogers. Because I think he's still got a lot of lacrosse left in him. I think he's the best backup goaltender right now in the league. And I think if he hits that expansion draft, you could see him being one of the top picks, honestly. you Because know? if you want to build a franchise, I don't think there's a better guy uh, to build it around than Scott Rogers at goalie and net. And that could be a guy that I think you, you see make a, an immediate impact on this expansion team uh, if they decide to, to go that route. Yeah, and and I I certainly can see that. I don't I don't foresee Scotty being uh, uh, protected. You don't 
you don't keep two goalies unless you're a squad like uh, the Archers, like we discussed. And, and, and I think that expansion franchise is the best shot for, for Scotty Rogers to, to get that number one goaltending spot again. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings us to our final team in the Chrome because I'll start off right at the bat. I did not decide to keep any of their goaltenders. I think you kind of can build around Galloway or Queener. Um, or even as we talked about, uh, Alex Reddy. So they have those three goalies that I think they could go to, and that's why I say you don't protect any of them because none of them really stand out to me as being the guy you want to build your team around. So I think you let them test that expansion draft and then kind of go with whoever is left. Um, And I chose to kind of focus more on the offense side of the ball for the Chrome, and I'm going to keep gutterding. At number one, you know, I got Jordan Wolf. I got Jordan McIntosh, Ned Crotty, Connor Farrell, uh, Simon Mathias, Romar Dennis, and Matt Danowski. And then I rounded it out with uh, Joel White and Joe Fletcher on the defensive end um, for my team. On my bubble was John Rannigan. I really wanted to add him, but I just couldn't add him over some of those other guys. And, you know, even a Drew Simino at the faceoff X, I think you leave him unprotected, but um, I think he's going to be a hot commodity uh, in terms of faceoff. You know, if you see him, Stephen Kelly, and maybe Brendan Fowler go unprotected, uh, you know, it's really going to be up to this coach of this expansion franchise to decide what type of face-off guy he wants and kind of look at, you know, these guys' resumes that, you know, they all kind of struggled at some points this year, but they, they have tremendous resumes, and I think they could step in and, and, you know, do wonders for a team at the X. Yeah, I honestly, looking over there, Ross, I don't see many... Other players, uh, I would switch out for, for those 10. So I, I'd have to agree with you. I might, um, just because of age, John Rannigan, I might look at over uh, a guy uh, like Matt Donowski. But, um, heck, he could be a player coach. Does he count if he's uh, if it's going off of what you said? Does does he count if he's also on the roster as a coach? I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's the loophole around this, Hutton. Yeah, who knows? Can Matt Donowski uh, become the coach and then – not have to worry about protecting himself, but who knows? Um, yeah, and that was always that was a fun thing that I threw out. Um, I'd love to see it happen. Uh, I think the odds are probably you know slim to none, but uh, you know who knows. Um, and I, I kind of have to agree with you. You know, with Matanowski's age, maybe you do let him test the market. Um, and even if he does get picked up by this expansion team, you might be able to you know trade for him on a, a nice, nicer, friendlier uh, trade than say a John Rannigan if he does go to another team. Exactly. Uh, but that wraps up like who we think should be protected. Um, you know, it's been fun ta- talking, and we could talk all day about these squads and you know who we think is most deserving of staying on. And again, like we said, it just because they get released to this expansion draft doesn't mean they won't re- won't be rejoining their teams either. Um, but yeah, we'll enjoy discussing uh, this throughout the off season. It'll be awesome to see. Uh, what coaches are hired for these positions. I think that's probably what we're going to see next following this expansion franchise's name and color scheme announced. Uh, Once that's announced, I think you'll see some more coaching decisions kind of fall into place. And, you know, we'll be continuing our interviews throughout the offseason. We recently had Connor Busick on of the Atlas and CJ Costabile of the Bayhawks on uh, in an upcoming episode with Jared Newman of the Chaos. So keep a listen for that. Um, I also have my article on the championship-winning brothers Jake Bernhardt and Jesse Bernhardt who earlier this summer lost their father um, and both ended up, you know, over kind of coming that situation that they had to go through and winning championships in their respective leagues. So stay tuned for that. That was really awesome for me to write and tell their story. 
the Bernhards are one of the best lacrosse family in the sport. Um, I really owe them a lot for letting me share their story with you know the rest of the lacrosse world. So kudos to them, and uh, I look forward to releasing that for all of you. Um, but yeah, we we've been excited this PLO off season. Um, it's given us a lot of what we hoped, you know, in terms of expansion and stuff to talk about. So uh, any parting words, Adam? It's been an exciting off season thus far uh, when it comes to the PLL and. It's it's been positive thus far for the MLL when it comes to uh, Lyle staying in the league and the Bayhawks, and um, hopefully we'll have some news when it comes to who the new owner of the Rattlers are and um, what the league uh, has in store going forward for them too. You know, it's it's been a lot more information coming out from the PLL side. Let, let's hope to uh, get some more info from the MLL going forward as well. Yeah, no, certainly, and it will be interesting to see which players you know join the various leagues. Um, and that will also play a part into you know how this franchise expansion franchise possibly drafts. So um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be looking looking out for that. And you know we hope you enjoy this episode and tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.